Hi, we've got three stories from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn how much of communication really is nonverbal, why darkness is faster than the speed of light, and how to tell if you're burned out and how to recover. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Have you ever felt overworked and underappreciated? People can get burned out at work or even with social events, volunteering, or your favorite hobbies. Today, we'll help you understand the different types of burnout and some ways to cope with it. Cody, have you ever felt burned out? Sure have. It's not a fun feeling. No, it's not. But it's different than stress. It is. Which is interesting to me. Yeah. Well, you know that I just quit a band. You did? Yeah. That's right. So you can get burned out even if it's not work. Yeah. I love playing music, but if you do too much of anything, you can start feeling burned out about it. And I had to I had to look at my schedule and pull back and like go easier on myself. For some background, the word burnout came from psychologist Herbert Frudenberger in 1974. According to the mental health resource Help Guide, burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. So it's actually different than stress. While stress can make you anxious and overengaged, burnout tends to blunt your emotions and make you disengaged and depressed. When you're on the road to burnout, you might start to notice that you're always tired, you feel like nothing you do makes a difference, and every day is a bad day. But not all burnouts look the same. Researchers have identified three different types of workplace burnout, and they're defined by how you cope with it. First, there's frenetic burnout. That happens to high achievers who push themselves too hard and don't have enough self-care or compromise. This is a typical workaholic who might skip meals and personal plans so they can get ahead at the office. These people tend to cope by complaining about their boss or the way the companies run. Then there's worn out burnout. That happens to people who aren't emotionally invested in their work. While people with frenetic burnout will see obstacles as challenges to overcome, worn out people see obstacles as oppressive and tend to lose motivation. They cope by throwing in the towel. And in between those two types of burnout, there's boredom burnout. These people don't find the job very engaging or interesting, even if they used to, and they do the minimum to get by. So how do you get over burnout? According to Help Guide, one of the most effective ways is by reaching out to other people. Open up to someone you trust and tell them how you're feeling. Socialize with your coworkers. Stop spending time with people who make you feel lousy. And set healthy boundaries and learn to say no. Remember that every no lets you say yes to something you really want. You can find a link to a psychology survey in our full write-up on Curiosity.com and on the Curiosity app for Android and iOS that could help you understand your level of burnout even more. Like with any online quiz, you shouldn't take it as medical advice, but it might help you understand what's happening a bit better. You and I are frenetic burnout people, aren't we? We absolutely are. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. Hey, want to know what's faster than the speed of light? The speed of dark? No, really. It's a thing. Let's have a fun little physics lesson. And we'll preface this by saying, please don't get mad at us. We promise it's true, even if it's kind of hard to wrap your head around. Yes, this is the second time we run this article, and we got a lot of emails about it before. And I have done my due diligence. This is absolutely <laughs> for sure true. All right. Here's how it works. Even though nothing can move faster than the speed of light, shadows can still move faster than the speed of light. Imagine you have a light that's powerful enough to reach the planet Jupiter. Okay, got that? Now imagine that it casts a beam in a cone that's broad enough to cover the entire diameter of the planet. When you pass your finger over that light, the shadow will cross the entire diameter of the planet. That's a distance of more than 86,000 miles. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. 
So if it takes you less than half a second to move your hand that distance, then that shadow will have broken the speed of light. Remember how we said that nothing can move faster than the speed of light? Well, that's the key. Shadows are nothing. A shadow is a not thing. Shadows are the absence of something, specifically photons or particles of light. Since there's nothing that's actually traveling the distance, the only thing that's moving is an area where photons aren't. There's no information that's being transmitted faster than light, only a blockage or lack of information. That means your interplanetary shadow puppet show doesn't break any physical laws. Which means we're right, and we hope you're not upset with us for this brain teaser, but we promise it's true. Another way to think about it is that the shadow only has the illusion of moving. It's actually the region that has light and has no light that is changing. Right. So it's not physically moving across the planet. Right. It just looks like it is. Right. You love this article, but you kind of hate it too, don't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. (laughs) It's a love-hate relationship. Today's episode is sponsored by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk, like you could get in a crash or people could get hurt or killed. But let's take a second to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. And many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this. From 2007 to 2015, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is, driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. You've probably heard the saying that 80% of communication is nonverbal, or 90% or 75%, the numbers vary. But is it actually true? The answer is actually kind of complicated, but in general, the answer is no. What you say really does matter. This is really good news for me, because I'm a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, the idea that what you say matters less than how you say it comes from a pair of studies from 1967. In one study, participants had to guess the emotion behind spoken words, and they tended to value the tone as more important than the word's meaning. In the other study, subjects listened to recordings and looked at photos of women speaking. Then, they were asked to guess the emotions in the recordings, the photos, and both together. The photos got the more accurate responses than the voices. These studies were both led by psychology researcher Albert Morabian, and he came up with this conclusion. When it comes to feelings, 7% of a message is in the words spoken, 38% of a message is in how the words are spoken, and 55% of a message is in the facial expression. But in the study and in the years since, Morabian has said there are limitations in the results. He wrote that, quote, unless a communicator is talking about their feelings or attitudes, these equations are not applicable, unquote. So where did sayings like 93% of communication is nonverbal come from? Basically, like a giant game of telephone, the finding was warped and watered down over time. And recent research supports this. More recent studies show that people are surprisingly good at interpreting emotion in tone of voice. But looking at facial expressions and body language, not so much. Now, we're not saying that gestures, facial expression, and posture don't matter. But it does mean that when it comes to venting your problems or expressing joy, a phone conversation might actually be able to do the trick. Just don't break up with someone via text message. That's still a no-no. Yeah, that's not cool. Read about these stories and more today on Curiosity.com. 
And if you're able to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to us, please do that. Hint, hint, Apple Podcasts. It really helps us and will really help other people see our show. Plus, it makes us feel really good. It does. (laughs) Join us again tomorrow for the Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. (laughs) 